I am, I'm excited this morning. I'm going to go ahead and tell you we're not going to be out by 12. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, put your phones up, turn them off. It doesn't matter. Everything we did this morning is important. Amen? Um, it's all worship. It's all part of it. But the, the later I get started, the later we're going to go. And I'm not going to shortchange it. I can tell you why. I'm excited about this morning's message. It's been a good message for me all week. It's been a good study for me all week, and I'm here to tell you, this is a plug-in for you. I don't care if you've got a 10-year doctorate degree in theology. I don't care if you've been reading the Bible for 30 years or if you got saved this morning in Sunday school. I promise you there's something in here for you. There's a piece in here. There's something to help you this morning. I've been excited about this all week studying. I was excited yesterday, excited this morning. I'm excited now to get to bring it here. What we're going to look at this morning is what the Bible gives us as good habits. Anybody got any habits in your life? We do a lot of things just by habits. We're going to look at some good habits. First Thessalonians chapter 5 there, the Holy Spirit, through the hand of the Apostle Paul, he, he gives us some things that should be daily habits. They should be things in, in our life. And if these things are daily habits, if we will make them daily habits, they'll change the way we live. They'll change the way we think. They'll change the way we, we treat others. They'll change the way that we worship. I want to look, if you could, we're going to begin in verse number 16. One of the short, shortest verses in the Bible is not the, the shortest because it's got less letters. The shortest one, I think, is Jesus wept. Those two words. But verse number 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, simply says rejoice evermore. Can I tell you that's a good habit? Is God worthy of our praise? Is God worthy of rejoicing and praising his name? It's two words. It's about as simple as it gets. It's a good daily habit. He says, rejoice evermore. Then we go up to three words. It says, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean live in the prayer closet. That doesn't mean you got to stand there all the time. It means just live in an attitude of prayer. Just live in a communication with God. Involve God in everything that you do in your life. That, that's a good habit. He says, in everything, give thanks. Can I tell you, that's a good habit. Everything I have in my life is to be thankful for. Everything that God has done for me, I'm to be thankful for. In the bad times, I'm to be thankful. God has brought me to and he's brought me through too many times before. He said he never leave us nor forsake us. So it says that, that we are to in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That, that's a good habit. He says quench not the Holy Spirit. That's a good habit. If God tells you to pick up the phone call somebody, don't quench the Spirit. Call them. God tells you, send somebody a text. Says, hey, want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you? Don't quench the Spirit. Send a text. If God tells you to hand somebody $100 bills, you're going to quench the Spirit, so I'll just leave that one out. <laughs> he, he says, quench not the Spirit. That, that's a good habit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The Bible tells us to try the Spirit. Try those things, whether they be good or evil. And for those good things, he says, hold on to that which is good. That, that's a good habit. Then he says, abstain from all appearance from evil. That's an important habit. It doesn't say stay away from evil, does it? I mean, that's a given, stay away from evil things. It says stay away from things that appear to be evil. If it don't look right, if it smells like a fish, it's probably what? It's at least had some fish rubbing up against it. There's been some somewhere. Somebody's cleaned some fish around there. Or something. It says stay away from the appearance of all evil. And then it says that if we'll keep these good habits, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We get to verse 24. We have Pastor Charles Chapman's favorite verse. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. If God calls you to do it, all you got to do is go forth. God will do it through you. 
If God gives you something to do, he'll do something through you, and he'll reward you for doing what he did. Ain't God good? Then Paul asked the church to pray for him in verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Now, Paul is on a, on a journey, and he asked the church to pray for him and his missionary group. I figure if the apostle Paul felt like he needed the prayers of people, then we ought to understand the importance of praying one for another right here in this building. Amen? Verse 26, another good habit. Well, one we need to clarify because it says greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. We might need to talk about that one. That's a good habit, but don't come out here slobbering on me. That, 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 word, that word means to salute the members of the church. It is to fellowship one with another. A handshake works just fine. I'm a neck hugger. I'm all about that. Keep your sloppy lips off me. I'm just fine. Ain't nobody kissing on nobody. Greet, greet with a holy kiss simply means we ought to fellowship with each other. We ought to love one another. We ought to have some, some communion together. And, and he says that, that we are to read this letter. He says that I'm to read this, that everybody's to read this. I charge you by the Lord. That means you've got to do this. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle, this letter, these habits, these things be read to all the holy brethren. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. All those things are good habits. Those are things to help us draw closer to the Lord. I, I want to look at a message this morning, Living Life on Purpose, Part 2. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good, God. Thank you for your precious, sweet spirit in this place. Thank you for your movement among your people, God. Thank you for the storms, God, the storms that you've brought us through, the things that we can look back and see how you carried us. God, I thank you for your presence in here now. Lord, I pray you'd take this message and divide it to as many people as are listening, God. And when you speak to every heart as only you can do, we love you, God. We thank you. We trust you to show us and teach us something this morning. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reason I'm calling this part two is because I used this title back in January. We looked at a message from Ephesians chapter 2, and we looked... Um, at, at um, Joshua 1.5, and we looked at a completely different message. So it really isn't part two is in the message. This one has nothing to do with that one, but I wanted to use the title again. Is that fair enough? So, so that's why we've got Living Life on Purpose, part two. I, I did a study this week on forming good habits. I don't remember if I started it Sunday or Monday. I was looking at some stuff on my phone. You guys got version on your phone? You got version Bible app? You know, it's got studies, it's got apps, it's got daily devotion, got some things. And so I can tell you, I was using a, a U version, doing a study on forming good habits. You're welcome to go get it yourself. I'll use some of the content in it this morning. If it spoke to me, then God taught me. If it spoke to me, it'll speak to somebody else. So, so I'll use some of the content there and that. But what, what it talks about is, is habits are simply a matter of priority. We spend at least half of our day which adds up to half of our lives, doing things as creatures of habit. One national study says much of our daily lives are taken up by the habits that we formed over a lifetime. More important characteristics of a habit or an important characteristic of a habit is that it's automatic. We don't always recognize habits on our own behavior. Studies show that about 40% of people's daily activities are performed each day in almost the same situation. What that simply means is that Many of the things that we do every single day are almost robotic. We, we just do them. It, I, I, I hope everybody could raise your hand if I said, is it a habit to, to strike a toothbrush across your teeth when you get up? That, that's like a habit. You ain't got to think about it. That's, that's kind of like the coffee pot. 
That's just a habit. I mean, you're going to go around the corner in, in the coffee pot. There's some things that are just habit. We don't have to plan them in. We don't have to think about them. We just know those things are going to happen. It's programmed in our mind, so that's what we do. American psychologist expert Wendy Wood said habits emerge through associative learning. We find patterns of behavior that allow us to reach goals. We repeat what works, and when actions are repeated in a stable context, we form association between cues and responses. To me, that simply says that when I find something that works, I'm prone to stay with it. Amen? If I find something and it works good and it's working right, we just keep on doing it. So let's just take a quick survey this morning because I think we're all in the same place. I think it's 100% unanimous. I don't think anybody in here would say no to this question. Is there anybody in here that it is your heart's desire to be closer to God? It is, is it your heart's desire to live a, a better Christian life, to be more Christ-like, for God to use you to bless others or be a blessing to others or people to see Christ in you in your daily life? I mean, it is our heart's desire to simply live a life, to, to be a better example, to be a better witness, but by all means, to just draw closer to God. Well, in all honesty, the study that I did this week makes those things sound pretty simple. You know, I'm convinced that God is trying to do something in me that's obviously been needing to be done for a long time, continue to work. But God is trying to emphasize the simplicity of serving him. I've always understood the simplicity of the gospel, that we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is forgiveness of salvation. The blood of Jesus is forgiveness of sin. All it takes is Jesus Christ to save my soul. That's the simplicity of the gospel. It's not Christ plus anything. It's not Christ plus church. It's not Christ plus stuff. For salvation, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. For eternal life, it is the empty grave. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. But there's a simplicity to serving God. As Tim talked about that legalism and a lot of the stuff that I grew up, I dressed like this for a reason, and I'm fine with it. It's okay, but I was taught to. And it's not going to get out of me. So I hope it don't bother you because yours don't bother me. So a lot of things I still do, and I still, I still do them out of legalism. I still do them out of habit, and I understand that. I didn't used to understand that. I used to think it had to be that way. I, I, used, I, I, I had that old stuff that a, a women's hair had to touch the floor when it was out of that beehive bun, and their dress had to drag the ground, and a man had to wear a tie, and you had to have your hair a certain length, and you couldn't do this. I had all that legalism. What I'm learning is that serving God is so much simpler than all the legalism of mankind. God gave us a message, gave me a message. You may remember it six weeks ago. The message was, what does God expect from you? Anybody remember the message? <clears throat> what does God expect from you? To do right. To, to, to do justly. To walk humbly before our God. So you know what God expects out of us as children of God? Just do right. A couple of weeks later, we looked at another <clears throat> message of the simplicity of being like Christ. But that sounds impossible, and it truly is, to, to be like Christ on this side of the grave. But we can give it our best shot. The Apostle Paul gave us a picture of Jesus, said, you want to be like Jesus, you know what you do? You just go about doing good. That's what he said about Jesus. He just went about doing good. So the simplicity of trying to be like Christ is just do good. How do you do good? Well, you, you treat people right. Love your neighbor. Love God first, put things there so it's really not as complicated. See, we tend to complicate things that really aren't all that complicated. Maybe I just need to put, say I instead of we. Tend to complicate things that really aren't all that complicated. 
To be honest, we just need to develop some better habits. First Thessalonians chapter 5 gives us some pretty good habits to form. You know, Paul told us when he wrote in the letter to the church at Rome, he said in chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Boy, that sounds like it could be a little complicated. I got to dedicate my whole body to a holy life, but it's as simple as he says, be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of our mind is simply develop better habits. In order to, to develop a good habit, we have to live life on purpose until it becomes a habit, and it's really not all that difficult. Studies show that if you do something for three weeks in a row, you can develop a habit. If you do something consistently, that means that if God gives you anything in here this morning, if God gives you one little nugget, it gives you something to do, if God gives you one little thing that you need to make a habit, one little thing you need to change, if God gives you anything this morning, if you commit to doing it for one month, it can become a habit in your life that will change the rest of your life. And anybody willing to give God one month, Anybody willing to give a new habit, a new anything, just, just, just one month? If God gives you anything, are you willing to dedicate a month to living life on purpose to develop a habit that can change your life? Well, that's what I want to look at this morning. So number one, y'all ready? You cannot be closer to God if you do not read God's Word. Donald Whitney, a teacher on developing disciples, says no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute it. There's simply no healthy Christian life apart from a steady diet of God's Word. Pastor George Mueller said the vigor of our spiritual lives will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Simply put, we cannot grow closer to God if we do not read God's Word. <clears throat> now, pay attention. Some of you read for an hour, hour and a half a day. I get that. If, if this isn't going to be in your little wheelhouse, just hang on. Yours is coming. But be patient with me because there's somebody in here that doesn't have a daily reading habit. There's somebody in here that's not reading God's Word every day. And, and I know that God has got some help. So y'all be patient with me while, while we just address this one right here this morning. If, if you don't read your Bible daily, that's a habit that you've got to change. That, that is an absolute necessity. And it seems so difficult. Listen, I... I, I am probably the inventor of your excuses. I, uh, have you seen the size of that? You expect me to read that? Well, not today I don't, but yes. But, but, but look, look, at, but, but I hate to read. Glory to God, come on up and get in the car with me. I, I've learned to like to read because I've learned the benefit of the reading. But there ain't nobody, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm a straight-up liar coming home from school every day because in history, they always gave reading assignments. When my mama said, you got a homework? I said, nope. Oh, wait, I said, nope. I got teeth. That ain't true. No, ma'am. 
You know I ain't said no to my mama. No, ma'am. That was a lie. I read what a little bit I could on the bus going home because I had about an hour and ten minute bus ride home and about an hour and ten back. So I might read a little bit, but I hated to read, so I understand the pain, but there's, there's something different. When you begin to read something that truly begins to change your life, truly begins to speak to the inside, truly begins to stir up some thought, and, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself not wanting to put it down. I finished my daily reading assignment. I finished what I'm supposed to do today. I'm through with my time that I allotted, but man, I I just can't put it down right now. I find myself wanting to when I'm sitting around waiting on something, open it up my Bible app in my phone and just scrolling to read to pick up where I was that morning. Do I like to read? No, I really don't. But I love the benefit of it. People say, but I'm too busy to read. I understand. I understand life is busy, but you, we got to get some priorities right. And we said we want to grow closer to God. Well, we're not going to grow closer to God without reading this. I mean, remember, you're the one that said you want to get closer to God, right? Well, I want to, I want to give you some things that will help you. I learned some things in this study that, that are so beneficial. Now, I took a challenge years ago back at New Hope Baptist Church. Pastor Ike Rocker gave us a challenge to read the Bible through in a year, and there was a certain criteria to it, and you finished, you got a little gold pen and... And it, it was a challenge that I took years ago, and I'm thankful that I did because it created that reading habit. A year's worth of reading developed something, and it lets you read the Bible through several times with, with teachers. But I, I recently, I'm in that long back, I, probably six months ago, I don't remember, but I talked about reading the Bible through in a year. I, I brought a box of Bibles. You guys remember one-year Bibles? I told you, it's the best plan. Get your one-year Bible. Don't even try using these things in the back. It's too easy to miss. Just get your one-year Bible. It has a date. January 1st, you read that day. But, but you know what happens when you're doing a one-year read the Bible through? Is you miss a day. Now, now, statistics say it takes about 75 hours for just an average reader, not some speed reader. It takes about 75 hours to read the Bible. You're like, see, that's exactly why. I don't have 75 hours. You don't need 75 hours. You got 60 seconds? See, what it says, if you want to read the Bible through in a day, if you take the 75 hours and you do it times 60 and you divide it by 365, you find, I think it comes out like 12.36 minutes per day. So in 12 and a half minutes per day, you can read the entire Word of God in one year. That's all it takes, 12 and a half minutes a day. Simple enough, right? But wait a minute. What about, what about the one day, whatever, you went to the lake, you had something going, and you missed a day, and you missed a whole day. Now, now it's 25 minutes tomorrow. But, but what about if, if you were gone for the weekend and you missed two, now you're at 37 and a half minutes, or you missed three, now you're at 50 minutes. I'm an hour behind. You know what I saw in that study this week that I love? Everybody in here, pick a Bible up and open it at any page. I don't care where you are, any page. Just pick a Bible up and open it. If, if you don't have one with you, peek on somebody. Here, here, peek. Everybody looking? Let me ask you one simple question. Tomorrow morning... Can you read this right here? Not this and this. Did you see this page? Look at that page. Everybody see the page? Is there anybody in here that tomorrow morning you can read that page? This page. Pick a half page. Pick, pick. No, that's all pictures. Fine, fine. Well, that's, that's more pictures. Oh, there's one. That's got some study help. That's a half a page. Can, can you read that tomorrow morning? Listen, I'm trying to help you. You know how to develop a good habit? Number one, set yourself up to be successful. You want to read the Word of God? Reduce the size of the task. This isn't what I'm asking you to read tomorrow morning. This is. 
this page right here. That's it. Can you do that? You know what else I learned that I absolutely love? This is going to be a help for somebody, I promise you. This is going to be an encouragement for somebody that's trying to get started. If you miss a day, forget it. Just move on. If you miss a day and you didn't read your page, tomorrow morning, read one page. The next morning, read one page. Don't get three or four or five pages behind. Every day is a new day. So I'm just asking you, can, can, they're not on that page to read. Oh, there's a little bit. See right there? That's, you, you're hoping you opened to that page, wasn't you? That's page. What page is that? That's, that's the one I want. What if you open that one? Can you read that? Then just do it. That, that's all you got to do tomorrow morning. You need somewhere to start. You need something simple, something to do. Just do it. And, and then that's not going to be your page unless you just want to read all the historical facts of Judges. But you go to another page and, and just do it each day. So I'm not asking you, can you study for an hour in the morning? I'm not, I'm not asking you to change everything. I'm just asking you, can you read one page? And if you can't, can you read a half a page? Find what you can do and, and just do it. You know the reason so many people fail is... Probably every one of us in here has done it before. We set expectations too high. New Year's resolutions are a prime candidate. Anybody in here ever made one? You know what I really would like to know is anybody in here ever kept one? That would reduce, that would reduce the number of hands. Most New Year's resolutions kick off on January 1st, and they are dead by the end of January. Because, you know, it's usually things like I want to lose weight, right? I want to get in better shape. I want to be more physically fit. So normally instead of getting up at 6 o'clock and getting ready and going to work and drinking my coffee, I'm getting up at 4.30. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to change the way I eat and I'm going to get all this healthy food. Let me tell you something. If you're not a person of strong-willed character, you ain't getting up at 4.30 in the morning for long. If it is against nature, if it is against what you do, you make things very complicated. And what we do is we set ourselves up for failure. So if I ask you tomorrow morning, I want you to start a good 30-minute reading habit every day. Guess what happens? You miss one day, you're an hour behind. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to quit. You're not going to make it up. Find something that is simple enough to do and stay with it. Reduce the size of the task. And if you miss a day, just move on. Number two. Y'all ready? Now, let me give you this one. If you're, if you're going to be successful, you have to be intentional. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be intentional. See, it can't just be a happenstance. You can't just be, I'm, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to read that page tomorrow. And, and every day I'm going to read a page, and at some point during the day, and you get up tomorrow morning, and you remember it, and you think about it, and you go, well, some point today I'm going to read one page in the Bible. And you go that way every day. Most days you're going to forget it. You're going to miss it. Here's what you do. Pick a time. I mean, how long can it take you to read one page? Three minutes if you're in the first grade? I mean, honestly, how long can it take to read one page? So... So get up three minutes early. I think we can pull that one off. I mean, I can trick. Listen, I'm such a nut. I can trick myself. If I want to get up at 5.30, all I got to do is set my clock three minutes fast at 5.30. I'm up three minutes early, and I'm going to get up because it's at 5.30. It don't matter that it's 5.27. Y'all can't deceive yourselves that easy? Oh, I can trick myself easy. I know y'all thinking, no, I know the clock's fast. See, I don't. I said it. If that clock goes off, it's time to get up. 
three minutes. Just, just, just get up and, and focus on the reading. So, so we reduce it to something that we can do. But there's got to be a time. Put it in your phone. Put an alarm. Put a reminder. Robin's got one on hers. The thing plays some kind of, what, is that like a Presbyterian church with pipe organ music or something? I don't know what that thing is. We'll be sitting eating dinner. It goes off. You didn't do that devotion, did you? She's like, yeah, the thing told me. We're sitting all night. It goes off. She's like, my phone told on me. I hadn't done it yet. That's about the third or fourth one, but that particular one plays plays me. Well, but it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. Put it in your phone. Put something there. On, on the U version, you can put in remind me. Remind me at 5 every morning, at 7 every You put it whenever you want. But put something there and go, this is my time. This is the time. Of the, if it's during lunch, I don't care. Just put it where your alarm goes off during lunch at 12.15. That way you've had time to get through the drive-thru or get through the line. You're sitting down. you got your food at 12.15. Your phone reminds you, read my page. Just put it in there, but it has to be intentional. David Mathis says, at the end of the day, there's simply no replacement for finding a regular time and place, blocking out distractions, putting your nose in the text, and allowing your mind and heart to be touched by God through his written word. Now, here's another one. You read, I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you read that book and understand everything in it, you are brilliant. And you are the image of Christ to its fullest. You're going to read some stuff and it ain't going to make no sense. You're going to read some things that's confusing. You're going to read some things you don't understand. That's okay. Can I tell you this? If God wants you to understand it, he'll show it to you. In God's time, he'll explain it to you. He may hide something to get you to cause the study because you want to know the answer, so you start studying and, and looking for answers. God, God does things for a reason. So if you find something you don't understand, don't let that cause you to stop. Just keep on reading it because you, you got to remember the one that you want to be closer to also wants to be closer to you. And the, the Holy Spirit that wrote the book is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. It's the same Holy Spirit that, that can speak to you, that can explain it. So he's going to explain what he wants you to know. So, so the bottom line is he will teach you. So here's the deal. Read one page and expect to learn something. Just expect to learn something. But here's the key. Doesn't do any good to learn it if you be ye you got to be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Expect to learn one thing and then take that one thing and apply it to your life. I mean, how different would we be if we just did that every day? If we just applied one biblical principle. So habit number two, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. You will never get any closer to anybody that you don't talk to. You may have met somebody on the job a year ago. Maybe they come out and did some work on your house. You know what they do for a living. You met them, you talked, you spent a couple of hours, got to know them. You know what kind of job they do a little bit about them, but you ain't seen them in a year and a half since. That's all you know about them. If you want to be close to somebody, you got to do what? You got to spend some time with somebody. You want to know something about somebody, you got to spend some time in communication. Now, here's the deal about prayer. Sometimes prayer can seem very difficult, or sometimes prayer can seem very simple. It's all in how we approach it. Here's the simple truth about prayer. Prayer is simply talking to someone who loves you. Prayer is simply 
talking to someone who cares about you, who cares about what you're going through, cares about your circumstances, cares about your situation, cares about your life, cares about your fears, cares about your troubles, cares about your trials, whatever it is. You're talking to somebody that, that cares, not just cares about you, but he wants to hear from you. You know how I know? Because he rent the veil in half and gave me access into the throne room of grace that I might obtain mercy. He wouldn't have rent the veil and opened the door wide to the throne room if he didn't want me to come in there and talk to him. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer is not a burden. Prayer is a privilege. We see prayer as difficult sometimes because we think we need to learn how to pray. Listen, don't, don't try to make yourself presentable to God. God knows who you are. He knows all my messes. He knows all my stuff. Don't, don't try to make yourself presentable to God. And, and, and I'm sorry, some people may pray, and I, I'm not throwing it off, but you don't have to be, oh, Heavenly Father, the one who created all the galaxies at the sound of his voice, hung the earth on nothing, and spanned the heavens. That's fine. You know all that. You want to pray that way? That's fine. But that's not necessary. You know what it takes? Hey, Father, me again. Jesus said, except we come as a child. How hard is that? Most of us act like children half the time anyway. Jesus said, except you come as a child. What does a child do? I tell, hey, Daddy, if I'm scared, I went to Daddy. My Daddy can beat your Daddy up. My Daddy's bigger than your Daddy. My daddy's faster, my daddy's better, my daddy makes more money. I don't know if he did or not, but that's, that's what you're going to tell, right? We're all little kids. You get scared, you run to daddy. If, if something, I wreck my motorcycle, handlebars all crooked, wheels going that way, spokes are out, I'm going to daddy. I want to get petted and he'd be loved on, I'm going to mama. But, but if I need something fixed, if I need some help, if I'm in trouble, if I'm scared, I'm going to daddy, you right? That, that's all it is with the father. He knows exactly who we are. He knows who's coming. Hey, hey, Father, it, it, it's me. We, we just go talk to him about, about what's on our mind. And you know the easy part? He already knows what's on my mind. He already knows what I'm going through, but he wants me to come talk to him about it so that he can do something about it. Prayer is not some long list of obligations, something that we've got to fulfill. It is the privilege of talking to the one that can protect my family throughout the day. It is the privilege of talking to the one that can guide my path. It is the privilege of talking to someone that can put a hedge of protection around all that there is. It's the privilege of talking to someone that can heal sickness. It's the privilege of talking to someone that can cast out my fears, take away my anxieties, be there in the midst of all of my problems, make me a usable example. It's just the opportunity to talk to somebody that can make a difference in my life we, we come to God we, we, we need to come to him in prayer we, we don't we don't have to come in and and act all holy acting and in righteous acting Jesus said just come as you are bring all your messiness bring all your problems bring bring all your situations all your dirtiness bring everything that you have anxieties mistakes, needs, it doesn't matter. First, first Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Prayer is not a formality. It's a conversation. It's just talking with God. Tim Kerr says that the hardest thing about prayer is the small gap between thinking about praying 
and actually praying. The hardest part is to just start praying. So just start. You know the beauty about prayer? It's not something else you've got to add to your life. It's just something you've got to get right. You already talk to people every day, don't you? If you do not talk to anybody all day, raise your no, do not raise your hand. I'll call you the lying house of God. We all talk to somebody every day. Prayer is simply including God in your circle of friends. Send him a text. Put, put God in your phone. Send him a text. You know you text everybody. Right, right. It's kind of like writing out your prayers, right? You know the beauty of writing out your prayers is sometimes a year later you run across them and you realize God answered something you forgot you even asked for. Send him a text. You'll have them in your phone. Whatever it takes, but add God into your circle of friends that, that we communicate with daily. Let, let, me, let me do something real quick. Let me do something before we, before we move on. Anybody in there have a, any situation at all, from great big to small, but you need God in that situation. You, you need God to do something about it. Anybody got it? Anybody got anything, big or small, anything in between? You got a situation. You need God to do something. Some of you go, I got five. That's fine. Take all five of them. If you got three, here's what I want you to do right now. This is the simplest prayer gets. In your mind, you don't have to say it out loud because all of us know what your problem is. In your mind, I want you to take this and say, God, you know this is my problem. God, you know this is what I need you to intervene in. And I'm asking you to take care of it. I'm giving it to you. You know what you just did? You just took all the burden off you. If I'm walking down the street, I see a guy. I take a $20 bill. I don't know why I'd have a $20 bill, but I had a $20 bill. I took a $20, and, and I give them the $20 bill. Carrying that $20 bill around is no longer my responsibility. How it gets spent is no longer my responsibility. Where it goes or what it does. You know why? Because I gave it away. It no longer belongs to me. It's not mine to worry about. What they do with it ain't mine to solve. When I give my problem to God, it's no longer mine. It's not mine to worry about. It's not mine to solve. It's not mine to fix. It's His. I gave it to somebody that can fix it. So anytime, whatever you just gave to God, make yourself a note. When you find yourself thinking about going up, that 20 bucks is gone. When you find your, whatever it is you just gave God, that's no longer yours. So, so you, can, you can ask God. You can keep it in an attitude of prayer. But don't let yourself stop worrying about that no more. It's not, that, that's what prayer is. That is just handing God. Listen, God wants us to bring our problems to him. He, he created us that. Amen? I, God allows burdens. God allows situations, but God did not make us to carry burdens. God just made us to bring them to him, to teach us to come to him, to teach us to bring him what matters, to bring all of our fears and, and, and failures. So read God's word. Make prayer a daily habit. You want to be closer to God, you got to have it. One page at a time is fine. Whatever it takes to get you started. Daily prayer, number three, everybody holding on. Worship has to be intentional, and church has to be a priority. I said church has to be a priority. Jesus came, why? 
to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to pay my sin dead and yours. Jesus came for Calvary's cross in the empty tomb, but make no mistake about it. Jesus came to build his church. Throughout the word of God, that book is about God building a family. From the Old Testament, New Testament, everything in it is all about God building a family. The, the focus on the Word of God is about God's family. Church it is not an option. Church is not in addition to. It has to be a priority. When God saved us, God changed us. All things passed away. Behold, all things became new. He gave us a vertical relationship with Him, but He gave us a horizontal relationship with all of the family. With all other Christians, this, this is our family. It's important that, that we come together. Yes, individual reading is important. Yes, individual prayer is important. Yes, individual worship is important. But so is corporate worship. Never underestimate what happens when God's people comes together and begins to worship. When we invest, you ready, note takers, you're going to want to write it down. When we invest in corporate worship, God will invest in individual blessings. When we as an individual, when we invest in corporate worship, God will invest in individual blessings. Church has to be intentional. You have to plan to be there and you have to plan to receive. You know why a lot of people come to church and say, I didn't get anything? Because you didn't come looking for anything. People say, I didn't get nothing. That's because we weren't expecting anything. People come in and they walk out and go, well, I didn't get nothing out of the day. You can point fingers all you want. You can blame it on the music, you can blame it on the singers, you can blame it on, on what somebody did, you can blame it on the preacher. We already know that's a problem every day anyway, so you might as well get used to that one. You can blame it on the fact that it's 12 o'clock and I ain't even started winding down yet. You can blame whatever you want it on, but, but the truth is you received exactly what you came looking for. If you didn't come looking for anything, you're probably not going to get anything. So, so, so number one, not coming, that can't be an option. Church has to be a priority. Church has to be a priority. My wife and daughter said, listen, it's not, this isn't as a preacher. This was back to when I got saved. This, this, this is 35 years ago. This is with, with small children in our home 30 years ago. The question has never been asked in the house on Saturday, are we going to church tomorrow? Has it? It's, it's never been an option. It's not my decision. It's ours. It's a family. It cannot be a, 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 an option. Something you have It's too easy to miss. Being in church is important. It has to be a, a priority. If we want to be closer to God, we need to come and fellowship with God's children and worship together with God. And I'm, I'm sorry, but it's 12 o'clock, and some of you already turned me off, and I'll give you a reason for the rest of you to cut me off now. Live stream ain't going to get it. If you're on vacation, glory to God, glad you got it. You're sick, you can't come, all that counts. I'm glad we've got it. But if that's your church, you're missing the mark. This is church. That ain't church. That's a byproduct. That's something that God's given us the ability to have so you can have church when you're on vacation. But you cannot get together with the family of God out there through that screen. It ain't about live stream. It's about being in the house of God. It's about worshiping together. The Word of God tells us that what? Not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. All the more so as you see the day approaching. Anybody see the day approaching? Bottom line is simple. Church is to be a priority. And the reason that it's not a priority for some is because they weren't expecting anything before they ever came. There's more to coming to church than just getting here. There's more to coming to church than just getting up on Sunday morning, getting breakfast, getting dressed. That 
Coming to church begins with morning prayer. Coming to church begins as soon as you wake up to, to begin to pray. We, we need to ask God. You, you want God to meet you. I'll just go ahead and give it to you for free. Ask God when you get up before you ever start even getting ready, God, I want you to meet with me today. God, will you meet with us in the house today? God, will you give us something from your word today? May your Holy Spirit move in the house of God today. God, I'm asking you to ban Satan and his demons away from that house. People that are coming with, proper, with problems, I'm asking you to ban spirits of depression, ban spirits of anxiety, ban spirits of fear, ban spirits of weakness and temptation, ban spirits of jealousy, ban spirits of discord. I'm asking you to ban all that away. I'm asking you to come in, ban evil spirits away, that your Holy Spirit might fill this place today so that everyone might receive something. Pray for others. God, I'm asking you to move mountains for somebody today. I'm asking you to break chains for somebody today. Answer a financial blessing for somebody today. Fix a broken marriage for somebody today. Move in somebody's home today, God. Make a way out of no way. Change lives today. And may one of the lives changed be mine. Church, church starts in here. Church, church don't start at that door. Church has to be in here. It is I, Lord, I am looking to meet with you today. Will you meet with us and do something in me? Church doesn't begin at 1030. That's when corporate worship begins. You don't have to try to see how late you can get here or how early you can leave. You come in and fellowship in the horizontal relationship with Christians and fellowship alike one another so that when we begin to corporately worship at 1030 then we're all in one accord and we begin to 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 worship together sam albury said it's almost impossible to overstate the positive impact we can have on others if we're coming looking for ways in which to be an encouragement when the corporate worship begins if you want something out of church be an active participant if you sit there like a bump on a log with your bless me if you can attitude, you're going to walk out with the same attitude you walked in with. If you want God to bless you, then worship him. Praises go up, blessings come down. Praises go up, blessings come down. You want to feel God's presence in this place on you? Praise him. You want to see God's movement on other people in here you praise him when you usher in the holy spirit it'll move on everything around you the holy spirit will begin to move and it'll begin to flow throughout so if you want to get something out of church put something in the church prayer desire worship in the music pay attention to the words words are the powerful it's not the beat i know i'm all about the beat i can't have her anyway right it's not about the beat. It's about the words. Because the words are the powerful if, if there wasn't a beat. So worship in the music. And, and then listen to a message with earnest expectation of God giving you something. If it's just one little nugget, that's okay. Now, if you, if you sat through church with your phone in your hand, it's after 12. I'm scoping it out now. Uh-huh, I see some phones. I know y'all just checking time, right? If you sat through church with your phone in your hand doing whatever you're doing and paying no attention to the Word of God, then why would you be surprised when you walked out and got nothing out of the message? If we come looking to be a blessing to others, 
looking to pray for others, come trying to encourage others, and we come in here to seek something from God, I promise you God will never disappoint you. You will never walk out that door that God did not meet with you if you ask him to meet with you and came here expecting him to. So quick review. Band, band, band where's the band? You guys come on. I'm going to do, do a quick review so I can hurry up. I'm already past lunch. You know, if I can preach long enough now so everybody gets to eating lunch and we won't have to wait in line. Quick review. Y'all ready? Note takers, you can write them down. Number one, clean slate policy and everything. If you fail one day, the next day is a new day. You, you just start over. If, if you mess up, if you sin, it's as simple as, Father, forgive me. This is my sin. Name it. Call it. You know what you did. Forgive me. I'm sorry. And it's a clean slate. Starts all over. So start every day with, with, with a new day. Remember, I think I even used it again last week. Failure is never fatal unless it's final. If you fail, you give it to God, you move on. Number two, pursue progress, not perfection. Don't, don't expect too much out of yourself. Honestly, set something you can do and, and do it and do it. Do it one day at a time, one step at a time. Do you know if you wanted to walk from here to San Jose, San Jose Costa Rica, you know you could do that, right? Right? Maybe not. I don't mean swim to Cuba and then swim the rest of it. I mean, you know, like across Alabama, Mississippi, you know, Louisiana, Texas, Mexico, Guatemala, all the way down to Nicaragua and to Costa Rica. You, you can walk it. One step at a time. You can walk to Alaska, right? My sister's from Alaska. You can walk to Alaska. It's going to take a minute. All the Midwest, hit Washington State, out by Seattle, track around Canada. You can walk, but you know how you got to get there? One step at a time. Here's the reality. Each step is a small motion in the right direction. Each step is a small motion in the right direction. Don't, don't get impatient. Don't, don't try to take too big of a step. Just focus on making this day count for God. Focus on my one page, my one little two-minute prayer, whatever you got, whatever it takes to get started. Just focus on this day count for God and just do that. Just, just set yourself up. Number three, make it easy on yourself. Don't set yourself up for failure. If you make it too hard, you're going to fail. I'm telling you from personal experience, not just myself, but I've seen it in people time and time again. If you make it too hard, you're going to fail. If you make it a challenge, a chore, something that you literally can't do, endure, you're going to fail. But if you start with a little something, success breeds desire. And, and when you're successful, all of a sudden you'll find yourself going from that page to a page and a fourth, to, to a page and a half. Just, just be successful. Do Small habits, here's another one I got for you. Small habits maintained over a period of time leads to lasting changes. Many times you won't even see the, the change in you, but the people around you will. Over a period of time, people will begin to notice. Number four, this is important. Make it your own. Don't, don't try to be somebody else. It, listen, if somebody else has got an hour and a half daily reading, glory to God. If somebody else has got a two-hour praying time, glory to God. You're not them, and you don't have to be them. Find something that works for you and do that. And, and just be consistent about it. Number five, make good use of your time. We think we're busy, and we are, but we waste a lot of time. We talked about it in the past couple of weeks about how much time we watch television and what we do wasting time, and I'm not telling you to turn it off. I'll give you a free one. This is a time when you ain't doing anything else, or at least I hope you, you shouldn't be doing anything else. How much time do you spend in a car? Anybody spend any time in a car? Anybody drive anywhere, drive to work, drive back, drive around during the day, drive to the store? Drive. Listen, in a car, you have an opportunity to do one of three things. 
the Bible app will read to you. Did you know that? I'll go ahead and tell you, if you're like me, don't do that. That one puts me to sleep. You don't want me to do that in driving because I'll be the one to drive right up your back end. But some of you can do that. Some of you love to listen. So if you're one of the ones that can listen to the Bible app, let the Bible read to you while you drive. If you're not and you have any sense at all driving in this town, you'll pray while you're driving. That's my number one. You drive around this town, you need to be praying. So, so if, if you're not going to listen to reading on the Bible app, then spend time praying. Or number three, and I know all of you will love this one, get some good gospel music and worship. Come on. Worship while you're driving, but don't waste time. Put time to use for the glory of God. And number six, I'm going to give you this. This is a good one. This is an easy one. Find yourself an accountability partner. Do you know that a good accountability partner will increase your chances of success by 100%? Because you got a whole other person involved. An accountability partner is not the one that calls and says, I read for an hour this morning. What'd you do? It's not the one that says, Hey, I prayed for you for 20 minutes more. Would you? An accountability partner simply sends a text at least once a day that says, Hey, I prayed for you today. You know what it means when I see that person's name? If they're my accountability partner, even if they text me wanting to know what I had for lunch, whenever I see their name, that's going to remind me I ain't prayed yet. I haven't read yet. Find yourself. An accountability partner. Husband and wife's a great accountability partner. Y'all text each other throughout the day. It's a good reminder of things to do. Good reminder to pray for each other. Best friends are good accountability partners. I'm just telling you, if you want to be successful, an accountability partner is a big help. So, are you willing to dedicate one month to being closer to God? If you already have a reading habit, and you read 30 minutes a day, and you want to be closer to God, then it's 30 minutes plus what? One page. Whatever you got, if you want to be closer than you are now, you got to be willing to commit something else. If you pray for 20 minutes now, add five minutes. Whatever you spend, if you want to be closer to God, are we willing to take one month and dedicate it to God to try to be closer to God? Because if we are, it'll develop habits. God said that if, if you'll live your life on purpose, God said if you will develop habits. Let me tell you what he actually said. What he actually says, if you'll draw nine to me, I'll draw nine to you. And what that means, if we'd actually develop good habits to draw closer to God, then God's going to what? He's going to draw closer to us. So it's 12.15. And nobody even knew it until I said that. Y'all like, really? I thought it was 11.45. I thought we was getting out early. That's because God was so speaking to you this morning. I promise you, God has a desire to be closer to you. I pray God give you something. God gave me out of that. God just reminded me of the simplicity of serving God. I am not serving a taskmaster. I'm serving a love, kind, compassionate, caring, long-suffering God that just wants to be friends with me. He said he was a friend of Abraham. He said David was a man after his own heart. I just want to be like that. I just want to be after God. I I just want to serve him. And more and more, God, show me how simple that is. But you got to do right. It's just not that hard. You guys will stand if you would. We're going to go ahead and do a song because, number one, I'm going to come back and do an invitation. And number two, I want you to have an opportunity to pray. If whatever burden that was that you gave to God, if you need to come down and make sure you hand that off, or if you want to ask God to help you, remember the key to prayer. If you want to ask God to help you, God, this, this is what I want to do. I want to commit better. Help me do that. Altar's open. We're going to, we're going to sing a song. Go ahead, guys.
it has to start with the name of Jesus Christ. It has to start with forgiveness of sins. It has to start with your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It has to start with confession of sins. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. It's not a point. You just surrender your heart to God. Ask Him to save your soul through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's God that's faithful to save your soul. The Holy Spirit will move in. Old things truly will pass away. We'll be a new creature in Christ. Father, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you, God, for the simplicity of your word, for the simplicity of your salvation, for the simplicity of a relationship. God, for the simplicity of good daily habits. God, I pray you'd start with me. I need help. God, I don't believe I'm alone. That There's others in here that we need help. We need help serving you better, seeking you better. We need help in studying, help in understanding. God, we just want to be pleasing to you. We love you. You've been good to us, Father. We just want to make you happy. Father, we just want to serve you with all we got. Help us, Father. Make us usable vessels that we might be pleasing to you on this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray.